0: On top of Huddy's palace you will see the whirling vine-like clouds of incense smoke, so dark and blue that the peacocks mistake it for rain clouds and greet that smoke heartily. O prudent swan, if by this sight you become fearful of the imminent thunderbolts of the rainy season and wish to fly off to Manasarovara, like all swans do at that time, then I will be able to understand that you have been living in the association of dull brained persons. Thus, you should proceed to the inner portion of the palace, and you will find Krishna's private pleasure chambers. The windows are bedecked with swinging locks of pearls, and there are white crystal pillars around the edges of the walls, where descriptions of Krishna's pastimes have been engraved in gold. At one end of the veranda, to his private quarter, is a perch made of emeralds meant for the peacocks who sleep away the night on it. Free from anxiety and thus resting, they wait for a suitable opportunity to speak with the Lord of the Yadus. Oh dear Swan, there you will notice Hari, the fountainhead of all beautiful things in the universe sitting on a bed with sublime and sparkling white cotton sheets. He is relaxing there, leaning slightly to the left with both elbows resting on the moonlight pillows behind him. Charming jeweled earrings in the shape of dolphins are gracing his cheeks. The splendor of his silken dress eclipses the luster of gold, and his blackish bodily hue is as pleasing as the black waters of the Kalindi. Should you chance to see all this beauty of Mukunda's, an ecstatically maddening ambrosia will flood your eyes. There you will find Bikadru, one of the elders of the family, sitting near Krishna, singing many amusing songs from the Puranas. By the side of a dazzling pillar, you will see the hard-hearted Akora. The very utterance of whose name sends a shiver of fear down the breasts of the gopis, elaborately chanting the history of the Kurus. You will also see Satyaki, the most glorious of the Sini clan of Yadu fighters, as well as the renowned Kritavarma, fanning Krishna gracefully with royal chamaras. Brihaspati's disciple Uddhava will surely be massaging Krishna's lotus feet as he kneels on the floor before him. There you will find Garuda, with folded hands and a heart brimming with love and veneration. When that great bird flies on his missions, the students of the town desert their arguments on the correct pronunciation of Vedic mantras upon hearing the sounds of the Sama-Veda emanate from his wings when even one as clever as Brahmā finds himself unable to properly depict the magnificence and beauty of even a single toenail of Damodar's feet, then how could an ordinary woman like myself ever hope to portray it? It is only because my intelligence has been influenced by his transcendental charms that I venture to do so. Hadi's feet are gleaming gracefully, Lord Burma himself fell before the tips of those toes, covering them with the upper part of his crowns, when he was plagued with guilt over the act of stealing the cowherd children and calves. The discreet sage Narada laments for those poor souls who have attained liberation, but have been deprived of the great ecstasy which is derived by looking at those lotus feet for just a moment. The lotus flowers are envious of the rosy hue of Krishna's beautiful lotus feet, and so have taken the vow of performing austerities by living in water. All glories to the winter season, which comes every year and punishes them for their improper attachments by causing them to wilt until finally they lose their lives. The glaze of Hari's legs outshines the glamour of emerald-colored banana trees destroying their pride in their own beauty. Though intensely restless, the hearts of the Gopis are bound to them. In the same way powerful and restless wild elephants are bound to a stout pillar. O dearest of birds, the lake of Madhusudana's navel is the prime source of life for the Gopis' minnow like eyes. Before creation of this universe, a lotus grew in that lake. In that lotus stem, the fourteen worlds have been accommodated, and Brahma also took his birth from that lotus. When Mother Yasoda tied Krishna up with a piece of rope, it left a mark of three lines, which still beautifies his belly. Within that belly, she was twice favored to have a look at the entire universe when she looked into his mouth. When the slender beauties of the creation gaze upon Krishna's chest, then Cupid immediately appears in their minds. The Kastuba jewel sits there, and although it possesses a radiance equal to that of millions of suns, upon His brilliant chest it appears to be no brighter than a firefly. His arms are more brilliant than two sapphire pillars set with precious gems. These arms remove the darkness of the whole world. It was with these arms that he annihilated the Keishi demon. And the mark of that demon's teeth still makes a decorative band around his bicep. With these arms he always embraced the necks of the gopis. His face conquers the empire of the most wonderful waves of nectarian loveliness which flow throughout the entire universe. His sweet smile is the abode of ever-new ambrosial mellows, and it unfolds a wreath of glittering pearl-like teeth. His eyebrows dance like a vine in the breeze, and one can see he is happily absorbed in romantic thoughts. When you go to Matora, you will have the fortune to behold such a vision. O friend, in short, the sum and substance of what I have to say here is this. You can understand that he whose slightest view instantaneously inundates your heart with supreme delight is none other than our Krishna, the defeater of Madhu. Oh, dear swan, you are well acquainted with the intrigues of the heart through your experiences with your sweet singing lady swan friends you may find Krishna also absorbed in such affairs with new women He has become involved with since arriving in the Torah. If so, you should not narrate our sufferings to Him, because He will not be interested in us, or are inexpert village girls. That person who has once tasted nectar never wishes to give it up to drink whey. O oh, Feathered Friend, if, on the other hand, the cuckoos who have encircled him singing melodiously, and cool breezes blow gently carrying the fragrance of Govardhan's flowers scenting the air. And if all these things remind him of the sweetness of Vrindavan, then only should you convey to him the distress of our hearts. This is my message. Please repeat to him exactly what I say to you now.